get busy living or get busy dying. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Welcome to this week's edition of Taboo Talk with Jay Louder. This week, we are really trying to do something that we think is going to be a real help for parents. We have a guest, Nick, from provenministries.org. It's a great ministry. They have a lot of resources, curriculums. They do things for men, women, and they also help in regards to today's topic, which is discussing sexuality with kids. Nick, welcome to today's podcast. Thank you for having me, Jay. I am excited to be here. Yeah, man, we're glad to have you. The pre-conversation we were having just a few minutes ago found out you're out there in the great state of Virginia at Liberty University. And of course, I was telling you about two months ago, I was speaking at Liberty and did so also last year. Love that school and just love getting to do Convo. You said you've been based out of there for quite some time. Yeah, Liberty is my alma mater. I'm actually currently halfway through my doctorate at Liberty right now, and my wife works for the university, and so I've been in Lynchburg for 16 years. I went to Liberty in 06 for my undergrad, and I love what they are doing. I love being a part of it, and I really think God's doing something special in Lynchburg and really advancing his kingdom in that way. So yeah, that's where I'm located. Man, that's great. Well, we're excited to have you on today, and it brings back so many memories. I know you're a father. You're married, and I think you said, did you say you had two or three kids? I have two boys under two years old. Oh, wow. Well, I've got two boys myself, but I also have a girl. And one of the things that we wanted to do, and it brings me back, I know that when Missy and I first started having kids, we were thinking about what is it going to be like one day when we unravel this very sensitive but yet important topic of sexuality? And how are we going to talk to our kids about that? And so today, I know there are parents that struggle with this, and, and I know we made the decision when we were first married that our kids were not going to find out about sexuality the way I found out. And the way I found out about sexuality was in the boys' locker room. And you can imagine the information I got was not only very inaccurate, it was in many cases very perverted. But that discussion wasn't an open discussion that I had with my parents. And I'd be curious your opinion on that. It doesn't seem to me, just in years of doing ministry, that there's been much change there. Um, Do you agree with that? I mean, does it seem to you that parents still aren't being as open, that they're allowing maybe their kids to get this information disseminated from other resources unreliable than themselves? Yeah, honestly, Jay, I would agree with you. I don't see much that has changed probably in the last 20, 30 years. Unfortunately, you know, it's a it's a tough taboo subject and parents already have an incredibly hard job as it is. And then when you add this on top of it, you know, they hope maybe church or youth group or, you know, sometimes even in public school environments or educational environments, they kind of hope that this subject will be covered. But one of the things that our ministry is excited to do is to come alongside of parents to change that conversation because, you know, my story is similar to your story. And it is one of the things that wakes me up in the morning is I want to see a generation of kids that are raised having healthy, age-appropriate sex talks with their parents for 10 plus years of their life. And that's what we're here to do and what we're here to help parents do. Do you think that this is something that should be talked about in church? I mean, just the other day, I don't know, in the last week, I was re- I, I commonly read Christian Post because I like to get news, and they send me a, a deal. I was reading it, matter of fact, earlier today. But um, there has been so many different stories that have come out. I mean, there was a guy that's under indictment, I believe it was in California, that was bringing sex toys. Now, this is a public school, but he was— bragging about bringing sex toys to the public school. Unbeknownst to him, one of the students was videoing it. It's became viral. So, you know, I know that there are cases, some extreme cases, where a lot of things are being taught in the public school about sexuality that, in my opinion, should not be discussed at school. 
I'm not saying that sexuality shouldn't be, but I'm saying certain topics and certain things certainly shouldn't be bringing sex toys, in my opinion, to school. But I'd be curious, do you think that this is a subject that should be discussed? You mentioned youth groups. I mean, do you think it should be discussed in church? Or do you think that that would also create a chasm and a problem with some of the, the parents thinking this is not the format to do it either, even though they're not doing it at home? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I was actually just talking to a pastor buddy the other day as well about kind of the cultural landscape that we live in, both Christian and non-Christian. We kind of have a bit of a problem. I would say it's a serious problem, and it's that we have no actual system for giving our children sexual ethics whatsoever. Like it doesn't exist in the church. It doesn't exist in the home. And culture and you know i would say secular culture is right now very loudly teaching our children everyone else about sex and sexuality you'd have to be living under a rock to have missed that for the last five years and so yes i think the the church should be a place that makes this conversation normal there's a whole book of the bible written about it it is all throughout scripture there is no reason this can't be a very normal, regular conversation that the church engages in. But equally, the church, just like the church is supposed to do, should bolster and should pour into the family. And so the family should equally be the place where, you know, I want our children to grow up and, and to find sexual ethics and all the truth that we see from God and in Scripture about sex and sexuality from Scripture, from God's Word. So the church is the perfect vehicle to be doing this, and the family is the perfect God-designed vehicle to be doing this. Right. Well, and no doubt, as you said, I mean, <clears throat> kids are being taught about sex, even if it's not in a sit-down format or even if it's not in—I mean, it's everywhere you go. Sex is—especially in this society with the Internet, I mean, everybody's got a phone in their back pocket, and so— I think some of that is even subliminal in many ways that we don't even recognize. But no doubt, if you're not talking to your kids about sex, you're going to hear about it someplace. And that's where we decided it'd be better to hear from us than it would be to hear from somewhere else. Now, at the same time, as somebody who spent 20 plus years in full-time evangelism, man, I understand why there may be some apprehension from pastors, because I know how difficult it can be to please everybody in the church. And while I also know that there may be some people who would embrace that and would be excited to see that unfold, there would also be a segment of the church that probably would have some real concerns about it. And so, I mean, I can't help but think that one of the reasons that it's not taught in church is because of the potential controversy and the potential problems that might arise, especially when you're talking about pastors who are already dealing with with enough division and backbiting and arguing that potentially is going on in the local church of what this might potentially add to it. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely hitting the nail on the head there. I think it's quite obvious why this is such a taboo topic. But at some point, you know, it's time to acknowledge that the house is on fire and it's time to start putting it out the flames. And so the amount of Christian pastors and leaders that fall sexually, the amount of brokenness in church to me too, right? So I just want to encourage pastors and the church that just like every other topic in scripture, nothing that God has made, we should be averse to discussing. We just have to do it wisely and tactfully. So, you know, that's why in, in our course, the sex we talk about age appropriate conversations. So like, if you're a pastor and you're kind of having this conversation or you're just even beginning to process what it could look like to engage this topic in your church, I would just say go to scripture, utilize that, and then process kind of the age-appropriate nature. But that's why you can lean on parents. You don't have to do everything. You don't even have to feel that burden as the pastor. You can just spark spark the conversation ignite the flames in the home of sex and sexuality that parents are addressing because then they can do it in age-appropriate ways. Some parents want to wait until their child is 13 or 14 to begin the sex talk. Other parents, we encourage and coach, they should begin around the age of six or seven 
because we don't want their child to be exposed to hardcore pornography before they've had basic level conversations with their parents. So that way you don't have to make those decisions as the pastor. You can just kind of start green lighting the conversation. And then it's right. It's not a one and done. This is a slow and steady wins the race early and often over 10 plus years of a child's life. Well, thinking about some of the statements that you just made, initially when I was thinking about a church teaching, for lack of a better term, sex education, maybe rather than, I think what you're saying is, is maybe rather than actually teaching sex education, you're talking more along the lines, which I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if you are, it makes sense to me, that it would be more effective rather than teaching the kids to teach the parents how to teach the kids. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, and that alleviates a lot of the controversy as well, because now it's up to the discretion and the autonomy of the mom and the dad to make the decision of how, when, where, and what, as opposed to an individual standing up before them. And plus, you know, you may have people at different maturity levels that maybe some are ready and some are not. Is that one of the things that your ministry does is provide a curriculum for parents? I mean, I know you you provide different curriculums. Is this one you do provide for parents? Yes, we just spent the last 18 months building exactly that. It's called the sextalk.com, and it's a video course for parents. And, and what you just mentioned, Jay, is exactly what I was saying, right? We realized that we cannot create a prescription and then give it to people and say, every child at this age needs to be having this conversation. That's arguably inappropriate. So what we decided to do was, We created this video course for parents, and then once we give parents all the tools that they need, it's on them to begin having the conversations with each of their children at age-appropriate times. And, you know, we even see families where, you know, they'll start the conversation around the age of 10, and then their one child was receptive to it, and then another child responded very differently. So they had to wait two more years before they started the conversation. So, like, That was our take and our way to equip parents is if you take this video course, it's only eight hours long, kind of experts all over the country. And so we give mom and dad all the tools that they could possibly need. And then we say, here, go and do this in your family, make this conversation, right? Like God ordained and age appropriate and early and often. And really a lot of our momentum in coaching and teaching parents with this curriculum is if there's you know any parents listening right now, this is kind of the one thing, if you don't get any other takeaway, this is the one takeaway I want you to remember. And it's not if, but when your children are going to get exposed to hardcore pornography no or hookup culture. And so, and so we want to be equipping your children and we want parents to be the ones that are giving their children the defense that they need to survive in this culture. Yeah, I love what you're saying, and it takes me back. I remember our first sex discussion with our first child and trying to kind of ascertain when that might be the appropriate time. And my wife and I agreed at this, and honestly, I don't remember his age, but I can I remember the conversation, and we were trying to figure out how to go about it because we didn't want to have one of those, okay, son, sit down and let's have this big talk. We wanted to be, you know, neutral, something that just – seemed as though it just kind of came up on its own rather than a kind of a sit-down discussion, which oftentimes when you do that with your kids, it's already intimidating, you know, we need to talk type thing. Oh, no, what's going on? So we wanted it to be organic. And so we made this decision that we were going to go to Outback Steakhouse, which is about 45 minutes from where we live. We actually crossed the, the, the state line. And so we decided that on the way there that we were going to try to organically make this simulate this conversation and of course he would be sitting in the back seat and it was at night and I'm not saying this fits for everybody but this was the decision that we made as new parents and so anyway conversation came across as organic and actually we started it off by asking him if that was something that ever came up at school and so it just seemed to be a lot less intimidating and a lot less informal and we were very nervous. That's ironic. Here we're adults and, you know, he's a young boy and we were so intimidated about how we're going to breach this topic. And it went extremely well. And as you say, it wasn't a one and done conversation. Uh, that conversation went on at 
probably about 20 minutes of the drive. On the way back home, it was briefly talked about, but we could kind of tell he was shutting down. So we were cool with that. We didn't want to force anything. And then the conversation began to gradually grow into the point where there was an open discussion about it. Matter of fact, eventually I even went with him, went through a book called Every Young Man's Struggle. You probably heard of it. I don't know if it's still around, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And it walks through that whole thing of, of pornography. We went through the whole book together. Yeah. So honestly, Jay, what you're describing and what you and your wife did is, you know, I can count on two hands how many parents I engage with that have that story with their children. And that's what we want is we want to give parents the tools and the confidence to do what you and your wife did, where you begin the conversation somewhere and then it becomes normal and you become safe so that, you know, so your son can say, Hey dad, I might be struggling with this or Hey dad, this happened or Hey mom, you know, this happened in school and it made me feel this way. You know, like basically we want parents to be the safe place that kids can go to ask questions about sex and sexuality because we don't want them on the internet. We don't want them Googling it. We don't want them learning it from anywhere else. And so our curriculum helps give parents the confidence to figure out how to do that well. Well, and I like the fact that you're not putting everybody in a box because again, we've had this discussion with all three of our kids and none of them were at the same age. Now I'm not real good at remembering ages, but I know that they were in in different stages. And to be honest with you, I don't recall. I mean, I recall the discussions and I recall that each of them, we tried to let them grow organically. And I recall that they were discussions that over time morphed where, I mean, to this day, to this day, my kids are very open with me about this, very open with me about anything from pornography to to sexuality. And I think part of that was because of the foundation that was laid. But I like the fact that you mentioned there is no cut and dry. For every kid, it's 13. For every kid, it's eight, you know, whatever. But I would ask you this because, again, I don't remember how my wife and I ascertained, you know what, now is the time. I was wondering if you have any thoughts on that as far as parents that are listening to this podcast today and they go, you know, yes, my story is like yours and mine. I found out through the wrong channels. I found out through the internet or through the locker room or whatever. And I want to make sure that the information that my kids are getting is valid, that it's biblically accurate, that it's true. How do parents, a parent that's listening today that says, how do I decipher And again, I don't know that I know how to answer that question because for us, it was just, we talked about it, me and my wife, and both of us came to the conclusion that now is the time. I don't remember what the factors were that led us to that conclusion, but I wondered if you have any insight for the parent that is listening that goes, how do I know when is the appropriate time? That's a great question, Jay. Yeah. And so what we teach and coach and encourage parents to do in a perfect world, which we don't always get a perfect world. So if you're a parent who hears this and your child's a little bit older, that doesn't mean you can't start now. But in a perfect world, we want parents to begin a basic level conversation with their child around the age of six or seven. But here's what I mean when I say that. I'm just talking about anatomical terms, biology, God's design, Right, you could you can kind of go a bunch of different directions with that, but that can be a really basic level conversation with your children at that age, and that's one of the beginning entrance points. And then after that, you kind of begin to normalize the conversation with what you see happening in their life. So kind of like you guys did, you don't really want to force it, you don't want it to be awkward. One coach in our course has one of his landmarks is he'll go for a walk with his kids and he'll say, Hey, do you, have you ever heard the word sexy? Do you know, do you know what that means? And he has found with his boys that that's a really good entrance point around the age of like eight or nine. And so what we're encouraging parents to do if they can is begin the conversation around the age of six or seven with just biology, anatomy terms and God's design and then do a little bit of work of just kind of making a game plan about how to have age-appropriate conversations for a decade. So from 6 to 16 is your window of just normalizing the conversation, make you safe as the parent, because all we really want to do 
is we want our children to get their sexual ethics from scripture, from God's truth. And mom and dad are the greatest places to begin teaching that to their children. And, you know, it doesn't all have to happen in one sitting. It's actually impossible to think it could all happen in one sitting. So, you know, an example of what I want to do with my children is at a certain age, right, when they're about to go and begin dating, we'll have normalized the conversation. They'll kind of understand some of the ins and the outs. But at some point, I need to share dad's story and mom's story of, you know, what happens when you make the wrong decision sexually and what sexual brokenness can look like. Because here's the thing, our children are going to be exposed to sexual brokenness and to sexual immorality. And we just want to give them the tools to thrive and to respond with wisdom. And if we don't, then we really can't expect them to survive as this onslaught in our sexual culture just inundates our children. Right, right. I'd be curious what your thought is on this. I'm just kind of thinking back as you're talking in regards to these discussions that I've had with my three children. And I just remembered, and I haven't thought about this in quite some time, but again, as I said, my first son, we were on our way to Lawton, Oklahoma. It was a conversation that my wife and I, we were both a part of this conversation. And then when it came to my daughter, um, I was like, you know, maybe it's better if the initial conversation begins without me. And I, I mean, we have a great relationship and we always have, we're very close and I don't know, you know, again, this has been a while ago. I don't remember if it was fear or what, but I just thought maybe since it's a girl, maybe it would be better. And so we were kind of tossing that back and forth of whether or not that was the right thing to do. My wife initially thought, you know, no, it needs to be both of us as it was with our son. And to be honest with you, I did not like that idea. And I remember we were driving down the road uh, here in our city. And there's a, I don't want to call it a porn shop because it's not that it's a place that, um, oh, I don't know. I, I think they sell lingerie. I think they sell adult things. Of the, I don't really know everything, but it's, it's not a porn shop from what I understand, but we were driving down and it's right in the middle of town. It's right next to a place that we like to eat. And I remember we were driving down the road and my daughter looks across the street, and uh, I won't say the name of the business, but uh, anyway, it's a very normal name of a business. It's not something seedy. And my daughter says to me, Dad, what is, and, and she names the business, and she said, what, are, what do they do there? What do they sell? I heard some friends at school talking about it. And man, I'm six, seven. And to be honest, I'm no tough guy, but I'm just, I'm not intimidated. People don't intimidate me. I'm not someone who gets easily, uh, I don't know, rattled. I'm not a person who is very easily intimidated. And I stove up. I mean, <laughs> I remember, I feel nervous even right now talking about it because I remember just the utter fear and terror of what am I going to say? And I'm, I gave some ridiculous answer. Oh, it's just some kind of normal. Well, dad, no, it must be something else because I heard some people snickering about it at school. And I'm like, well, you need to talk to your mother. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the best way to handle it. I was terrified. So I went home and I told my wife, I said, listen, I was asked today about this certain business. And obviously there's some discussions going around school. I don't know what they are. I quite frankly, didn't ask what they were. I was so shocked and, and nervous and intimidated. And so I say all that to say this, the initial discussion that was had with my daughter was with my wife alone. Now, eventually I was incorporated into that and we both together and there, but there were seasons where, well, and there's been seasons with both. There's been seasons where my son only wanted to talk to me. There's been seasons my daughter only wanted to talk to her mother. And there's been seasons where both of us were involved in the conversation. But my question to you is, is there any recommendation that do you advise for or against initially it being the dad talking to just the son or the mom talking to just the daughter? Or do you kind of approach it from the same, uh, I don't know, from the same approach that Every kid's different, and maybe sometimes it is best to do both or one or the other. What's your thought on that? 
Yeah, I would say there's probably not much of a prescription, uh, again, because what we're advocating for is early and often and normalized conversations. So, you know, there are certain age-appropriate conversations where I think it makes sense just for mom to be there. And then there are some when I think it makes sense for both to be there. Of course, if we're talking about a daughter and then if we're talking about a son, there are certain conversations that it makes sense for dad to be there and then for both. But I would say the only thing to be careful of that we want to make sure parents are not doing is we see this a little bit where, well, that's dad's job. He'll tell you about that someday. Or that's mom's job. She'll tell you about that someday. No, because... Your children, your daughters and your sons, they need both perspectives on sex and sexuality, both both pieces of wisdom. And so, you know, it's not just dad's job to do it with the sons and mom's job to do it with the daughters. You know, again, you want to incorporate opportunities where you discuss different layers of different things. And like, again, there's no prescription. That's the short answer. But you just want to be careful not to, you know, shoulder the responsibility on the other partner in your marriage, depending on, you know, the gender. It's like, no, it's, you know, as much as possible, two became one in marriage, and the beauty of sex that God gave us can be communicated to our children as dad and as mom. And, you know, you insert a little bit of nuance there if you're talking about menstruation or if you're talking about masturbation or stuff like that, right? You can, you can do that pretty easily. You just don't want to have it all on one side. Yeah, and I think that's sagacious, and, and I agree with that. And I, I know that uh, in regards to my sons, and, and I think, again, I think my wife brings a certain perspective and experience to the table that I don't and vice versa. And I certainly think from the female perspective anyway, um, that even though I've been involved in many of those discussions, I think there have been some that I wasn't involved in that I didn't need to be involved in. And that quite frankly, I don't even understand anyway, because I'm not a female. So, but I do agree with you that it can get to a place and where, and I've heard that a lot where, you know, Oh, well you talk to mom about that or you talk to dad about that. And I guess I'm a little bit guilty because I did pass off the initial uh, deal with my daughter, not my sons, but again, it eventually graduated to, you know, both of us being involved in that and have been ever since. Another question I'd have for you is this. When you talk about these discussions with your kids, do you include everything? I mean, are we talking about obviously not just sex, but do we talk about pornography? Do they also need to talk about masturbation? You mentioned that a while ago. Are all these topics things that you feel need to be discussed as well? Yes, 110% yes. And the rationale is because if they don't hear about it from you, where are they going to learn about it? They're going to Google it. They're going to look online. They're going to hear about it from their friends at school. So I know that kind of seems, for any parent listening, that sounds huge. That sounds like a massive thing to do. But the alternative is much worse, which is why we're trying to say, hey, parents, it's okay You don't have to get this right in just one go. Normalize this conversation over time in the home, and then you can address appropriate issues at different ages. So masturbation is a huge one. When your children are going into puberty, you know, a little bit different for boys than it is for girls, but currently in our culture, girls are still struggling with this a lot too, right? Like you have to begin those conversations. I would say when it comes time to start dating, conversations around what's too far, oral sex, right? Like, I guess the best way to put it is you want your children to learn as much as possible from you and not the world in almost every facet of anything that you can fathom. And if you think about it as, you know, a parent who might be listening or you, Jay, like, where did you learn about these things? Well, unfortunately, our number one teacher is pornography, and we don't want our children learning anything from pornography. So if that's the case, then we might have to address not just biology and where babies come from, but all different levels of sex and sexuality so that our children are equipped with a biblical sexual ethic that we get from God and from Scripture. And there's no reason we can't have these discussions with our children in age-appropriate ways as they grow. Yeah, well, I agree with that. And let me just say this. As someone who's been speaking to students for years and years and years, 
to the parents out there listening, I know that you think that your kids, some of you might think, my kids don't know about this. My kids are around a great group of friends. These are not discussions they have. I mean, I'm amazed at how many parents believe this. Let me just tell you, this is something that they are hearing. This is something that is being discussed. This is something that's in their back pocket or in their purse on their phone. And matter of fact, one of the things that we've seen that's been really prevalent is a lot of students thinking, well, we're not having intercourse. We're just having oral sex. So, you know, we're not going all the way. So we're doing good. And so I'm kind of mixing two things together here, but I think it is important for parents to know that their kids are a lot more exposed than number one, what they think they are. And while every single parent likes to think that their kids are not having oral sex or they're not touching and and hopefully they're not, there's a larger contingency of students that are than you think are, are doing so. And let me also say that while a lot of parents think, well, because my kid is a believer, that my kid is not susceptible. And just because you're a believer doesn't mean you're not susceptible to anything. If Scripture proves anything, it proves that. We have a, a whole litany of people who have made plenty of mistakes, and we have this from Genesis all the way to Revelation. So there is a, an exposure sooner than what people think. There are lines that are being crossed, compromises that are being made because they're being told, as in the example that I gave, and I know I'm kind of morphing two things together, but as an example, the oral sex thing. Well, you know, hey, not doing this, we're not having intercourse, so we're doing these other things, but it's all right. Have you seen that as well? Oh, most definitely, and I love your encouragement to the parents listening right now because mine would be exactly the same. We want to affirm you as a parent. We want to equip you as a parent. You have a tough job, and the Lord is with you. But we live in the 21st century in a wildly sexually saturated world with free porn in our pockets and digital devices connected everywhere that access this, plus a hookup culture. And so our, our kids have this horrible hand that they have been dealt. And so if you are a parent listening, I agree with Jay, right? Like your child is most likely exposed, being exposed, encountering these issues. They're not the exception. They are the rule. And in case you're curious and you're unsure, you still don't believe us, just ask a few probing questions. Just go on your search as a parent and say, hey, maybe have you ever seen this in school? Or what do you see your friends doing? Or what do you see on television? Right? Like, you're going to start to get your child to open up if they're a little bit older. And, and as a parent, you need to insert yourself there as the equipper and the, the person who can be the coach to help them. And, you know, God forbid your child is addicted to pornography or, you know, hooking up with or having sex with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or oral sex. But you as the parent need to come alongside of them and say, I'm here for you. If this is the first time you're beginning this conversation, you can say, it was my responsibility to give you these tools, and I didn't, so I'm going to come alongside of you now as a coach, as a mentor, as a helper, and we can start working through these things. But again, if you're starting early on at the age of six or seven, you can begin the conversation, so that way they're getting their ultimate truth about all of this stuff from you, mom and dad, and not from the world around them. Well, and, and I'm certainly not attacking parents, of course. Uh, but oh, it, I don't think it, that at all. No, and, and it's natural. I mean, parents want to assume the best, and we want to believe that our kids would never do a lot of things. But some of us have made some mistakes in our past and might realize that while our parents thought the same about us, we may have made some of those mistakes. And speaking of mistakes, I think that that ha- that facilitating this degree of openness in these conversations can also be a real key for, let's say that um, you have this openness with your kids and let's say, God forbid, that they do cross a line, that that they do make uh, some sexual mistakes. If this relationship and this line of communication has already been developed, it makes it much more easy for them to come to you and to be open and honest to talk about maybe some of those mistakes that they have already made. Correct, because if they're not going to talk to you, who are they going to talk to? And I think that's probably a good lens to look through is, you know, pretend it's you. Remember your story, mom and dad, and and 
my story and Jay's story, right? Like we have our own stories there. And so if we want to equip our children to come to us as parents so we can be the helper for them in those tough spaces, then that's how we have to approach it. What would you say to parents? And and let me kind of give a little backdrop on this question. Um, I talk a lot about suicide because I attempted suicide when I was 21. And there's a certain segment of the population that wrongly, let me repeat, wrongly believes, well, we shouldn't talk about suicide because talking about suicide may lead to suicide. Now, we, we know that's a fallacy. We know that the greatest deterrent to suicide is talking about it. It's it's not not talking about it. But what would you say to parents that might have this same thought process that say, well, gosh, I don't know that I really want to talk to my kids about sexuality because talking about these things may be a door opener for them becoming more interested or sexually active. Yeah, I would say it's a similar fallacy as the the fallacy you just brought up. And then I would give a a practical example. So in our course, one of our videos on the sextalk.com done by Matt Pratt, he has a really good example of how to do this kind of as a, as a response to that argument. And his child asked, hey, dad, what is pornography at a very young age? And Matt's answer, as he teaches the parents in this video, was, was brilliant because he said, well, son, it is any video or image that you might see of individuals that have skin showing where their bathing suit would normally cover. And that, at a very young age, is an example of how you can still have these age-appropriate conversations without sparking lust in your children or causing them to stumble. And, and the same goes throughout the longevity of those conversations, right? Like, as a parent, the, the Lord, Holy Spirit equips you to have these conversations well, and you do it with wisdom. But yeah, you're, you don't want to be creating opportunities for your children to fall, but again, if God designed it, there's nothing else God designed that we can't talk to our children about. So I think it is a fallacy to say, well, if I have the sex talk with my children, I will expose them too early. I'll ignite curiosities and I'll send them down this horrible path. Well, guess what? Average age of exposure to pornography is eight. So it's already happening and most of them are already getting taken by this stuff. So kind of as a parent and in an equipping posture, you're not harming your children. You're equipping them because it's not if, but when they're going to be exposed. And your goal is to beat the world to the punch. You want to be the one there first. You want to get around to home base first. You don't want culture to do it. You don't want pornography to do it. You don't want a girlfriend to do it. You don't want Google and the internet to do it. Well, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And for too long, there was a segment of the population of Christianity that believed, well, hey, I don't need to teach the Bible at home, I'm going to drop my kids off at church or take them to church, and I'm going to let Sunday school or life group or the preacher do that. And for too long, parents have passed off responsibilities that God gave to them. And so in the same way that you need to be teaching spiritual things in your own home, not just hoping that it happens on Sunday, this is another one of those things that you don't pass the ball to somebody else or hope that they're not going to make mistakes. This is a God-given responsibility to you. And I'm not saying that it's always easy. I'm not saying that it's um, not at times daunting, uncomfortable. You even heard me say how intimidated I was in regards to my daughter. But it's something that we just can't pass off because, again, the information that they're going to get is going to be extremely tainted. Now, there's a question that I want to ask you. I'm not proud to even ask this question, but it is what it is. There are some people, I didn't get saved till I was 21. And so you can probably imagine that uh, since I didn't come to Christ at 21 years of age, that uh, there are some, some big mistakes in this arena in my past. And I would assume that there's many parents listening that probably have this question going through their minds right now. Maybe it's something that has prevented them from having the discussion with their kids. But what would you say to a parent like me or other parents that are listening that might be thinking, okay, I don't have a leg to stand on. I've got a pretty tainted past. I made some huge mistakes, maybe even, you know, Maybe even the child that they want to talk to, that child knows that they had that child out of wedlock. What would you say to those parents that say, how do I have any credibility? I mean, how do I approach this knowing that 
my own past is tainted and, and my child may or will eventually know about it. I love that question, Jay. Actually, we have a whole video dedicated to that. Our second video of the course addresses, does my sexual history disqualify me? And the short and the long answer is absolutely not. And here is what I would encourage you as your motivation. You could be a dad listening right now and you watch porn every night. You could be addicted. You could be struggling with any form of unwanted sexual behavior right now, presently, or you could have a past, as I do, as it sounds like you have one, Jay, from before you were a Christian, before you were 21. And so I see it as momentum for me, because I want to equip and give my children a different story, because that's what motivates me with my children, with my two boys. So if you're a parent, no, you are not disqualified. If anything, you are even more empowered to make sure that your children don't do what you did, don't go down the same tough choices and paths and roads that you took. And you as a, a believer, or even if you're not a believer and you're still thinking about accepting Christ, right? Like we have this course to come alongside of you as a parent to give you the easy button, the closest thing to an easy button. So that you can give your children these this protection, this right, and that's the best thing I can say is no, you're not disqualified. It would be like saying, you know, hey Jay, you can't help anybody process suicide because you're disqualified because you attempted it. Like that's it, it's backwards logic. It would be the reverse. So no, like please, you have the best voice because you've seen both sides. And so as parents that might be struggling now or in the past, no, you are not disqualified. Lean in. And if it helps you, use the momentum and the, the motivation that I use, which is I'm going to make it my mission to make sure my children don't go down the same paths and make the same mistakes that I make. And if they do, I'm going to be there for them every step of the way. Yeah. And that's really the mindset that I had. I've been open with my kids about this. And and that's the approach that I took, that um, it may seem hypocritical, but I'm wanting you to avoid the scarring. You can't see the scars, but they're there. And uh, the carnage that came with some of the decisions that I made in the past. And, and I think that perspective was embraced. I obviously hated to admit it, but I didn't feel like it discounted me. I've met parents who have felt that way, but... Um, like you said, it was a motivation to say, gosh, I know the ties that brought, I know the scars that brought, I know the pain that came with that. And I want to do everything that I can to help my kids avoid that. But again, I think, as I said earlier, I think not only these discussions important, I think the openness and transparency in this arena, because it can be very daunting, I think opens up the door for conversation in a lot of other areas. I mean, I would say that, and this isn't just podcast talk. I mean, I think my kids would wholeheartedly agree that we have very open dialogue about stuff way beyond even this. But I think that the open dialogue that we started at a young age about something as tender as sexuality has led to that ability to talk with mom and dad about other things. And I want to say something. This is a little bit off topic, but not really. You know, you may be a parent now and you think about maybe your kid, you suspect, or maybe even you know uh, that your kid has already made, your, your son or daughter has already made some mistakes in this arena. Maybe you even have a premonition of that, but they've not been open to tell you. It's never too late. And maybe because those past discussions haven't been there that uh, there's not been an openness. But I do want to say this. Number one, it's never too late to begin to build a foundation here. Even if you, and maybe your kids are getting older and you should have already done this, but you didn't. Well, it's still not too late. And I would say that if you're a parent and you have a son or daughter who have made these mistakes and or eventually a year or two years from now, they come to you and tell you that they have, I want to just encourage you, don't overreact. I want to encourage you, don't talk down. Don't give them the guilt trip. Show them an unconditional love and realize that even though they've made some of these mistakes, that 
They can still be holy and pure. They can still be forgiven by God just as you have. I've just seen some scenarios where a, a kid has made some mistakes. Maybe it was a girl that got pregnant, and maybe it was a guy who engaged in some activity, and he came and told his mom and dad, and then rather than receiving unconditional love, he was berated and beat down. Have you seen that as well? Yes, I have. Actually, that's another thing we encourage parents to do in the course is that um, it's kind of a little bit backwards. If, you know, you as a parent have not equipped your child or had any level of the sex talk with them, and then they just come to you one day or you find them watching pornography, right? Like, there is a reason that that's attractive. We were designed to be attracted to the human body. And so we encourage parents to actually take a posture of humility and, and to say, I'm sorry to your children because you are put there to protect them and it's your responsibility to equip them in this area. So if you haven't, now is the time to come alongside of them and say, hey, I wish I had done better. I wish I had been there for that or I wish I had known because I would have been able to help. So yes, I equally, I would... I would resound with that, Jay, and say, yeah, like, don't have that posture of condemnation. Have that posture of restoration and support and care, because if not, you're going to drive them further into hiding and further into shame. And you, as the parent, want to be the safe place where your child can come and tell you anything. Yeah. Well, and I love what you said a while ago, and I, I think it's important to remember that it is normal to be attracted to the human body. And I have seen so many cases where parents, I, I know their motivation was good. What they were trying to do is to maneuver their kids away from premarital sex. And so they came about sex almost as though it were something dirty. It was something unclean. And I, mm-hmm. I, I love what you said. You know, it, it, again, this is normal to be attracted to the human body. It, sex is a, it's a gift from God. Now, granted, under certain parameters and certain stipulations, but I've just seen that flip side where parents, maybe again, with great motivation, but they have unintentionally implanted seeds that have made sex come across as not a God-given gift, is not there are aspects of it that are beautiful, God-given, that are normal, but more from a dirty aspect. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen some of that as well. Oh, yeah. I love that you just mentioned that, Jay, because that's another one of the, the big takeaways that we encourage parents to, to have, which is it's not just about defense. You have to have offense. And really, just to address your point, what sports team do you know that ever wins if all they know how to do is play defense? The answer is none. You have to also have an offense. So as parents, defense is good. You have to put on the blockers. You have to make sure that they're not exposed early. You have to you know, lock down the technology. Don't do cell phones in the bedroom at night. But the offense addresses what you just brought up because offense says we're going to have these conversations. We're going to normalize these conversations. We're going to make sure that there's not this shame and this stigma around sex. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. All things sex and sexuality because what does Satan love to do? He takes the good thing God made and he twists it. So why would we want to not talk about it at all? And yeah, unfortunately, some people have been scarred. Too many people have been scarred because sex was always bad. It was always no. It was always shameful. It couldn't possibly be good. And then you get married and it's supposed to become amazing. And that's a good example of, uh, you know, I would say a big myth in our culture where we need to be coaching and teaching our children like, hey, sex is great. And God says it's done this way. And this is how we see it in scripture and kind of all of those facets. We don't want to not be talking about it because that's what happens to our children. And then one day it'll be time for them to start having sex and they're not going to have a clue unless they hear about it from you. Yeah. And some great thoughts today. Um and I think some great points, and I love the fact that beyond the podcast, that people have the ability to go to your website and give that to us again. Yeah, so com is going to be the easiest one as far as having the sex talk with your kids. But if it's any other level of struggling with sexuality, with unwanted sexual behaviors, with pornography, lust, or masturbation, then you would go to provenministries.org. 
And those are the two websites to remember. Well, man, I love that you're not just a talking head, but you guys actually have some how-to helps for people. And it's a great tool. You know, we're a full-time evangelistic ministry. And so, you know, we, we try to minister primarily to try to reach unsaved people, but we also try to be multifaceted in that we do provide other resources to help the Christian community. Because obviously, even though I speak to a lot of unsaved people, inherent with that is, is I speak to a lot of believers. And um, Mm. conversation, obviously, about this topic is is paramount and needs to take place, just as uh, the discussion that parents need to have, the most important discussion above really any of them, is the discussion about Jesus Christ and, and his death, burial, and resurrection. And the whole the whole story behind that is forgiveness. The whole story behind that is, is if you are the parent that has made a mistake, or if one of your kids haven't but yet eventually do, that there is a loving God through the person of Jesus Christ who 2,000 years ago was executed on Dead Men's Hill, not just to give you a ticket to heaven, but he did it because so you could experience forgiveness, life, hope, purpose. And part of that life, hope, and purpose for those of you that are mom and dads that are listening today is obviously for your your, your ability to raise your kids and to teach them about Christ. And, um, you know, this is another, again, topic for a different day, but another discussion that isn't done, handed off to somebody else, but it's a discussion that mom and dad not only have the obligation but they have the privilege to share with their kids. Well, I want to encourage everybody listening to the podcast today to go visit uh, these two different websites. Nick, I love what you're doing, man. And uh, I I know that this is no doubt a great resource. Again, just thinking back in our discussion today to how um, intimidated I was and nervous I was, knew I needed to do it because I wanted them to avoid what I went through. Uh, but there wasn't at the time that I had these discussions. There, there wasn't any resource that I knew of. Uh, so the fact that you've made that available, man, that's a great thing. Thank you so much today for being on the podcast. Jay, it's been my pleasure. I really love this conversation. And, you know, I, you know, any parent listening right now, if, if it just seems a little bit too overwhelming, my only encouragement would be just to go check out the sextalk.com and just you know, there's a free preview. You can watch the first video just to get a feel for it. But but really, that's what we're interested in doing here, Jay, is we just want to spread the news and bless it to as many people as possible that, hey, we created this really easy button for you to have the sex talk with your kids so that it doesn't have to be daunting, so that you don't have to be scared of it. And we just want to come alongside of parents all over the country. Because remember, at the beginning of this conversation, I said, we are excited to see a whole generation of kids having healthy, age-appropriate sex talks with their parents. And man, what kind of world would we live in if that was the case? Man, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, Nick, again, thank you so much uh, for for joining us today. It's been a real privilege. Just love the conversation. Love how it flowed. Love your wisdom. And thank God for what you're doing for the kingdom. Bless you, Jay. I very much appreciate your work as well.